Yeah, so <clears throat> what good is it to know that everything's impermanent? <laughs> Seriously. It might mean that we don't get upset when things turn out to be impermanent, when when yeah. when change happens. Yeah, yes, that's on a, that's you know, true. on a mundane level. Absolutely, yes. That that is one benefit. Yeah. It, except that I was noticing just today and yesterday that knowing that really doesn't help me not be upset when some things change. There are there I, I caught myself square in the middle of well, okay, yeah, impermanence, but not this time. <laughs> yeah. And um and it was it was it was really striking that I was so Stunningly clear about what I was mm -hmm. doing, but I was still doing it. Yes. Hey. Yes. But that's so. I'm. I'm. I'm going to argue. It doesn't help. Well, um, it doesn't. I, I, do you want to say it doesn't help at all, or it doesn't help as much as you'd like it to? Well, okay. If I can be conditional, sure. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. You're allowed. But no, that, that's, that is a really good point. And that's what, what does it do to know these things? To know these things intellectually. Because, and, and of course, what does impermanence mean, too? There's, remember, there's, there's two levels of understanding of it, which is, one is that things don't last, which really isn't news to anybody, right? <laughs> And the other is that there are no things. There's only process. That's the one that that um, um, that's the really profound one. But it's all and and it's also the one that well, okay, if you say so, <laughs> right? Yeah. So even even in that case, it's uh, like that that things don't last. Uh, you understand that intellectually, but even understanding that intellectually, you find that there's still some part of you that doesn't really buy into it. And there's, um, and then the understanding that impermanence means there's only process. Well, that's something that even your intellectual understanding of it is, uh, is very conditional. It's based on logical arguments and thinking about it. And as a result, it has even less impact, whatever the benefit would be. We haven't even addressed what the benefit would be, knowing that there aren't things that don't last. There's just something with process. But yeah, even when you're clear on that, it's something that doesn't register at a very deep level. Well, let's go to the obvious one, the one that you've always been aware of, that things don't last. And the, the problem, though, the problem is that even though you know that things don't last, you act as if they do, right? And this sort of extends to process. There are no things. So you'll never meet the same person twice. You'll never step in the same river twice. You'll never... Everything is special and unique. Which, if you can really tune into that, that's quite wonderful. But it's not the place that we get to very easily. It's a long, long ways from where we normally live our lives. We normally live our lives 
grasping onto things as though they were real and solid and were going to be around, if not forever, at least for a long time. At least going to be around for the next week or two. Right? <laughs> that comes as such a shock when it's gone. They die. Someone says, uh, okay, it's over. I'm moving out. <laughs> Doesn't it? it comes as a huge shock. I think most everybody, if if they if they gain that insight that things really don't last, to the degree that they really understand it, it does allow them to appreciate life more. It does allow them to live more in the moment. Don't you agree with that? And to a certain degree, and I grant you it's limited. Um, if they re- to, to the degree that you really understand that, and you keep it. In, in in the forefront of your mind, it makes it a lot easier to accept the inevitability of things passing away. The first scratch on your brand new car, all these kinds of things. You get uh, take a much more philosophical attitude about it. You know, ah, oh, good, at last it's scratched. Now I don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> so there are some there are some benefits from it. What about the idea of no self? What good does it do to know that you don't have this, you, you are not this kind of separate self, you don't have this permanent thing-like quality that you thought you had? I'll tell you at least one good thing about that. <laughs> The one that comes immediately to mind for me is you don't have to stay embarrassed about it for very long. If for when you screw up, you, just, you know, oh well, that's gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's actually a good point. You don't take anything personally. That's right. Yes, you stop taking things personally. It, it helps you to stop taking things personally. Of course, it all depends on the degree to which you really grasp and understand it. That's the degree to which you do grasp and understand it, you don't take things as personally, which make things better. So, um, but there's a tendency to look at, 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 look at the, the idea of no self as something that's been lost. And I think what it really offers there's a really big thing that is gained. You are not separate. That's really what it's saying. You are not separate. And so there is, there's an isolation, a loneliness, a separation, um, a, that uh, sort of existential angst that comes from feeling separate in a world of separate beings. And to the degree that you can recognize that you're not separate, there's a lot of benefit that comes from that. And that's probably the most important thing that you can realize. It opens you up to many more sources sources of joy and happiness. If you you can 
really get in touch with that as a truth, it's it's very profoundly liberating. Yeah. It also, uh, for me, makes a lot of movies not half as much fun mm. and really boring. <laughs> <laughs> and so is that a gain or a loss? It's a gain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just turn them off. <laughs> There's better things to do with your life. But these these are not these are not the kind of truths that understanding intellectually really does you that much good. Oh well, if you take them all together, if you realize that they're all process, don't take it personally that we're all interconnected, that um, we're not really separate. And the third one. The, the third characteristic is dukkha, suffering, unsatisfactoriness. If you understand that what makes, what makes impermanence painful is the fact that we don't understand it and that, that we cling to things as if they were permanent or we neglect to fully experience life moment by moment, hour by hour, every day that we have, we don't fully experience it because, because we don't understand how things really are. Oh, how many days I have wasted in all kinds of different ways. You know, they're just a, a loss. They just escaped from me. For no other reason that I assumed that they would go on forever. There'd always be another one. And yet, as we get older, we appreciate more and more, you know, the, you, you, something that you've loved to do, and you realize, that's the last time I'm ever going to be able to do that. Or usually, that's if you're lucky when you realize, oh, this is the last time I'm going to ever be able to do this, you know, because I'm getting older, life is changing, whatever the reasons are. This is the last time. It allows you to enjoy it more. Most likely it happens. We, we kind of enjoyed it. And we didn't really fully appreciate it because I'm going to get to do this again. And then there comes that time that we realize, six months later, a year, whatever, wow, I'm never going to get to do that again. You know? I, I, I'm never going to be strong enough to engage in that activity or whatever it is. Or that's, isn't that what happens when somebody that we care for dies or leaves? Ah, uh -huh. right. Never, never going to have those experiences again. Our suffering is unnecessary because its cause is not understanding how things really are, not accepting how things really are. Our resisting the way things really are. Because there is a positive side to impermanence. There is a positive side to not being a separate self. And there is a, a positive side to realizing that it's through our clinging that we turn these simple facts of our existence into a source of suffering. It means it gives us an opportunity to at least consider changing that, doing something about that, making, making the life 
that we have into a far more positive and rewarding experience by not wasting it in the illusion that there's always a tomorrow, there's always another time, we'll always see that person again. I mean, how can you ever afford to be mad at somebody if you realize you might not ever see them again? Or at least you have to really hate them <laughs> for that to be a positive. <clears throat> but one of the things that there's the intellectual understanding then there's there's this deeper understanding you can have faith that this is true you can have faith that you are not the separate self that you feel like you are There are other kinds of faith that are much easier to hold, though. You can have faith that you're not alone. Not because separation is illusion, but you can have faith that you're not alone because there is a God, there's a being that's wiser and more powerful than you, that's got your back, that's with you. And that is a much easier faith to hold than the faith that we're really not separate. Because we've all, with any luck at all, I suppose there's a few people that haven't had this experience, but the vast majority of, majority of us have had a lot of experience with having someone wiser and more powerful as a part of our life. It's had our back. We had parents. And, and we've had other people in our lives. As children, we had adults who were wiser and more powerful and protect us. And, and when we felt lonely, we could go and climb up on their lap or whatever. And so we have an experience that we can draw upon. And uh, it makes it easier to have that kind of a faith. But the idea that we're not really separate, that we're all interconnected, this isn't something that we have much experience to draw on to reinforce. Not only that, it's even more than that. It's even more than that we don't have some comparable experience to reinforce our faith. It's that we have just exactly the opposite kind of experience. Our whole lives, we have experienced ourselves as separate, as alone, as ultimately alone, right? So we're trying to hold on to a faith that goes against the experience that we've had most of our life. Of course, we've all had those experiences of, of being one, of belonging, of closeness, of being a part of something larger. And we know how wonderful that is. But the fact is, those experiences are comparatively rare when you stand them side by side with all of those experiences where you feel like you're alone. You know, and, and you can you can be here tonight in a situation like this and have a feeling of a lot of togetherness. But when things get really, really difficult, you feel alone. You feel separate. And it's really hard to hold on to a different view of things. So the real value uh, of understanding the truth of these three characteristics of existence 
impermanence, no self, and the suffering nature of our existence cannot be achieved through intellectual understanding and cannot really be achieved through, uh, through faith. And that's what makes it a hard path. But it is possible to have the kinds of experiences that demonstrate to you so clearly in a way, not that you gain, not, not just that you gain a more unshakable conviction that this is the truth, but that actually change the way you perceive reality. So you don't perceive yourself as separate. You don't perceive yourself as being part of a world of separate things that every time you try to grab onto them, they're, they're gone. It totally changes the way you perceive things. And that's what really the rest of what we're going to talk about as we continue on this process is about, is how can we get to that place? But I think we, that where you need to start from is a clear understanding of, of where it is you're trying to get and what the value of that is going to be. The value of what is going to be, be a person who, in their heart knows that the sense of being a separate self that you have is not the truth. That from a gut level, from just the way you see the world, from the way you experience things, you don't experience things from that place of separateness anymore. You don't take things personally. How liberating that is. One of the things it does is increase infinitely the sources of pleasure and happiness in your life. Because whatever thing that you can do, no matter how small, that brings some happiness, some pleasure, relieves some of the uh, pain and discomfort of somebody else, becomes rewarding to you. Right? realize that everything is a process, is part of, they're all connected together. To realize that things are not real, that we're only process, and then to realize that we're interconnected, it puts a completely different perspective on your life. Another important part about what makes all of this suffering, why do we suffer, why do we make ourselves suffer by clinging to things that are impermanent. It's because of another false belief that we have, that we are separate, and that in order to be happy, we need to have certain kinds of things. And that our suffering is coming from things that happen to us. Now this is a really important idea, that when I'm unhappy, I'm unhappy because of things that have happened to me. I'm unhappy because of things that I've lost. I'm unhappy because of people that I've lost. I'm unhappy because of pain that I've experienced. So we, 
have this selfness and we have the thingness and then we have this relationship. I need these things and I need to avoid those things. That's not true. And when you come to the place of truly understanding that that's not true, then suffering and happiness are realities. They're subjective realities. But they're not coming from the kind of relationship with the world that we're used to thinking of. They're not coming because we don't get the things that we want and we do get the things that we don't want. They're coming from how we react to the things that we get and the things that we lose, or the, the getting of things and the losing of things. They come from inside. And so, what we're after is the kind of deep understanding of these truths. And it's going to lead us to the place. When you have a deep understanding of these truths, every experience that you have is a potential source of joy and happiness. And every painful experience that you have is one that does not need to cause you suffering. That's an incredible choice to have. And you're, by, by dispossessing yourself of the notion of being a separate self, you become, you become invulnerable to any, anything that anybody could say about you. You become invulnerable to anything anybody could do to you. You're part of a much, much larger process. And your sources of joy and happiness, like I say, become likewise unlimited. Everyone and everything around you, in a whole variety of ways, becomes a source of joy and happiness. Because when you get over your separateness, instead of feeling jealous about the, the satisfaction or rewards that somebody else has, you can partake in that joy and satisfaction. Right? Not only that, you can be the agent of it. So, I don't know how clearly I'm expressing this tonight, but the idea is that it really is it really is worthwhile trying to get to that place where you have the deep intuitive realization that indeed all things are impermanent, there is only process, and you are part of that process, and you're not really separate from anything, from everything or anything else. And that's totally liberating. And to realize that there is a way that you can change your relationship to the experiences that you have had and that will continue to have in a way that they become entirely a source of, of satisfaction rather than being a source of dissatisfaction. Yeah. Bliss is an extreme form of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Misery is an extreme form of dissatisfaction. So... That's the flip side of the three characteristics. So the next, the next, well, does anybody have any comments or thoughts? Yes. Yeah. Um, when you talk about these things, uh, um, they make a lot of sense to me. Um, 
and I think they make a lot of sense to many of us who, who live, uh, I think, relatively um, fortunate lives. Yes, right. Um, but right now I'm working on, on preparing a course on, uh, on immigration. Yes. And I'm, I'm working on watching some films about human trafficking. <clears throat> and uh, it, whenever I have, I've tried to apply what you're saying to people mm -hmm. in situations like these, is when the whole edifice of this, of these teachings just comes crumbling down. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I, I have a very hard time contemplating the possibility of a, of a young person being trafficked, trafficked for, for, for sex or for, yes. you, yeah. know, you know, work slavery. To be able to, to, be able to, to attain anything like this. And so, it makes me question everything. Well, <clears throat> question in what way? Question the truth of it or question the, the, the accessibility general, of it? The general truth of it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, the problem is that anybody that's in these kinds of situations, and I have to admit, most of the world is in pretty bad situation, especially compared to us. Yeah. Okay. And people that are in these very painful, desperate, difficult situations, this is the big problem. How how could they ever get to the point? of being able to realize any of these truths. Yeah. So I see accessibility as a huge problem. Um, as a huge problem. I, I don't see that it creates a challenge to the validity of these truths. As a matter of fact, if you, if you examine real-life situations, I think what it really does is point to the validity of these things. Because you find people living in very desperate situations and a lot of poverty. And in those situations, you'll find amazing instances of where loving-kindness, compassion, non-separation, uh, non-attachment arise. Uh, in other words, these terrible situations sometimes are exactly what drives somebody to uh, a completely non-intellectual realization of these very truths. That that in the terrible situation I'm in, the only the only escape from suffering I have, and the only source of happiness I have, is to get outside of myself and to. And, and in some cases, to stop punishing yourself through resisting what is. Which is not the same as acquiescing. And we've talked about that before. You know, Acceptance of what is is not the same as acquiescence. But what it is, is you stop making yourself just that much more miserable through resisting what is. And I, I think that uh, I think that when you carefully examine, not from the objective observer distant standpoint of, oh, how terrible the situation is, but if you actually go into those terrible situations, 
you'll see people discovering, even if it's just a small degree, discovering some of these truths and, and manifesting them in their lives. But when we come back here, the really big problem is, well, you know, in, in the Buddhist teachings, there, one of the paths to discovering these truths is through suffering. We don't recommend it. It's not the one we teach, right? But and, and it's very interesting. Some of the, of the incredible writings that came from Holocaust survivors, actually in Auschwitz and some of these other camps, saw all of this horror. Were a part of it, and uh, and actually led to a sort of uh, enlightened view of things. So. Being immersed in the suffering is a path to realization. But there is this enormous accessibility problem. But we also have an accessibility problem in our fortunate society here. Because we're always tending to, uh, well, for one thing, our society has organized itself quite thoroughly around the idea that Things are going to get better tomorrow. You're going to get what you want tomorrow. If you just try hard enough, spend enough money, whatever it is, then you'll get the things that will make you happy. Or, I mean, just the idea that you'll get, that you'll be happy if you get those things. Or you'll be able to avoid the things that make you unhappy. Uh, how, how many of you have sacrificed a lot of your time and life's energy in the pursuit of things that you thought were going to make you happy? And have they really made you happy? Or uh, I see a lot of people doing, uh, doing a kind of work. Uh, hopefully nobody in this room, but, but doing jobs that they basically hate or jobs that uh, are really destructive to their family, their relationships with their children, things like that. Um, that that basically give up a lot of their youth and their life's energy in order to avoid the suffering that they think might come someday in the future. Uh, they're going to avoid it by putting lots of money in their uh, uh, Save your retirement savings plans and acquiring lots of this and that and the other thing. So we have we have our own accessibility barriers in in our more fortunate culture, and that's a whole that's a whole separate problem that I think we need to address and talk about is how to make these truths more accessible to more people in all kinds of those situations. Now, certainly in the situations that you're talking about, one of the things that we can do and that we should do, that, you know, if we believe in these teachings at all, then it should make it almost impossible for us to sit aside and uh, do nothing about these sorts of situations that exist in the world. Right? So, we, so we do need to do something about it. These, te these teachings require social engagement. What does it mean to try to get to a place where you understand that we're all interconnected uh, when you're coming from a personal perspective of um, that's not my problem? We have to do something about it. But it's not just a question of 
righting the wrongs. What it's really a question about is how do, how do we how do we make these truths and most especially and this is going to bring us I hope back to where I want to get how how do we how do we change things in such a way that people have an opportunity to realize these truths in such a way that will make the changes in such a way that they that their happiness becomes independent of what happens to them because that really is the definition of what this is about we can get lost in the details very easily but the buddha said when, what did he teach Suffering and the end of suffering. That's really, you know, he wasn't teaching philosophy or even meditation, anything else. He's teaching suffering and the end of suffering. Everything else that we talk about is, you know, that's that's means, but uh, the end is suffering and the end of suffering. This is where we, this is where we want to get to, the, to become an awakened being is to become somebody. Simple definition. Somebody whose happiness does not depend on external circumstances. Now, if somebody's 16 years old and a victim of uh, human trafficking, uh, then where there's certainly a big gap between where they are and getting to a place that their happiness is independent of what happens to them, right? And we, and we do need to address that. But right now, just for those of you who for, have I, other things in your life have brought you to be here and have an interest in these truths. And so I want to talk about how you can get to this place where your happiness is not dependent upon what happens to you. So think of the goal in those terms. But the only way you can get there is to realize these really deep truths, that everything's interconnected, that we're not separate, that there is process, that there is an ultimate reality that fits anyone's description of God, except for the beard and sitting on a cloud. <laughs> there, there is an ultimate reality, and we're not a part of that ultimate reality in the way a wheel is a part of a car. We're not a separable part. We're a part of a way, a part of that reality in such a way that that we we are the totality and we are in the totality and we are inseparable from it. And it's that it's that knowledge and it's that liberation <laughs> that uh, it's that knowledge and that understanding that brings us to this liberation. The liberation from feeling like our happiness and our suffering depend upon what happens to us. Yes? Just this thought came to my mind. Um, from Regan and from um, um, experience, um, all um, monks or saints or or people who or Buddhists who whose uh, purpose in life uh, to to reach this point um, pretty much they live with community they live in community right yes and <clears throat> it's 
at least five people or more, and they go together through meditation through the day and do some chores, and mm -hmm. pretty much they live separate from, uh, so to speak, people like us who go to job and do things we're supposed to do. It's much easier to feel this way that we are all connected, and yeah. uh, they separate from the world, and they live on their own rules, and it's very quiet and peaceful, and so on. Um, I went on two weeks uh, meditation at Colorado Mountain, and, and it was big, huge acres and on top of mountain, beautiful. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's about two women, monks, nuns living there, and only two men, and um, they have daily chores, and I was involved in, and it's. We don't even talk to each other a lot, mm -hmm. maybe just few words, because we have to keep silence. Uh -huh. But still, you don't feel you're alone. So um, it's much easier to accept that. Also, it's much easier, like you mentioned, if I would believe just Christ died for me, and I, if yeah. I just believe in it, and I have eternal life, and I'm not. So if I feel... If you're living in a community like that, mm -hmm. and it makes you feel like you're not alone, yeah. and all it's doing is reinforcing your idea that it's external circumstances that are what's responsible for your happiness. You see? So, so when you're happy when you're with other people, you should be unhappy that you're happy with other people. What's that? <laughs> I said when you're happy being with other people, you should be unhappy that you're happy with other people. No, you shouldn't be unhappy that you're happy with other people, but there's a downside to this. I mean, the idea of creating these kinds of communities is really to remove the distractions from realizing the deeper truth, which will truly liberate you. But far too often, it becomes a trap. You get in a nice, comfortable, religious community. Yeah, that's how I look at them, and I yeah. look at them, and I say, gee, um, you know, people give them donation, mm -hmm. they don't work hard, they live pretty comfortable, they eat organic food, um, <laughs> which I uh, not always afford it or even mm -hmm. get it and so on and so on. Beautiful surrounding, fresh air, water from wells, and I say, gee, it's kind of like nice place to live. Well, of course mm -hmm. you can be that person or um, yeah. but what I'm saying is um, if you assume you live alone, there's a lot of people, very lonely people, they live alone. Yeah. In their house, phone not even rings. And um, they, they're very lonely and they're dying from loneliness or, or, or whatever. How in this situation you actually can satisfy yourself to say, well, it's okay, I'm connected with the world and who cares? I'm. I'm not alone. I mean, it's so... Uh... It's, it's, a, it's not a question of saying to yourself this. It's realizing that it's really true. But it's hard to get to the point to believe it's true. To it? It's hard to get to the point to realize and believe. Absolutely. It's hard to get to the point of realizing. It's hard because yes. practically yeah. you are lonely. Practically yeah. here you only one in this world, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and when things get worse uh, with health, financial, or whatever, it's even getting worse. It's really, really hard to do 
especially if you're on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you are born into this world and there's nobody to tell you, give you any guidance, give you any pointer. The whole point of this teaching is that it's easy to do if you know how to do it, and it's been done before. This is the point of the teaching. By yourself, it's easy. It's 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 so horribly difficult, almost to the point of impossibility of ever getting outside of your delusion and getting to that place where you realize that these things, where you have these kinds of realization. And but there is a teaching that's come down to us. Admittedly, admittedly, it's been. Uh, uh, pretty damaged and polluted, but it still has a core in there. And if we can ferret that core out and understand it, it's possible for all of you, for any of you, to achieve that realization, to have that gut-level understanding of the way things really are, that allows you to be happy independently of what happens to you. Even better than that, though, since it is the nature of the realization that makes such happiness possible, that it also gives your life meaning and direction and purpose, because everything that was once driven by desire for what's good for me and aversion for what's not good for me gets transformed into love and compassion. So it's not just a question of still being a separate entity who has a realization that liberates them from suffering and gives them access to happiness that's independent of what happens to them. The real, the real beauty to the whole thing is that the only way they can get that is through a kind of realization that gives their life a kind of meaning that nothing else can give them. And that makes love and compassion their, their only motivations for, for living. Okay? And it allows them to turn everything that they do into an expression of love and compassion. That's what we're trying to get to. Not just to be happy, but to be transcendentally and transpersonally happy in a way that goes beyond all of that. How can we, just supposing this happens for one of us, you get that and you're there and you have this transcendental happiness of, wow, it's all one thing. And everyone else around you is still trapped, still stuck with, well, that's easy for you to say, and the whole thing is telegraphed right in there. And you get pulled out of it. Even if you could get that for a nanosecond, the minute someone else assigns separability to you, you're there. Oops. And um, how do you get to keep it, even if you get to glimpse it? How do you hang on to that when everyone well, it, else and you're standing around when, saying, God, all these people are stuck. Yeah, 
It's when it comes to be a realization. I mean, the thing is, let's not get bogged down in, you know, we'll, we'll soon, if we keep going in this direction, we'll get into all this esoteric stuff, you know. Actually, everybody's already awakened anyway. They just don't know it. Stuff like that. Really? Those is things that, are all true. Is that where this goes? That's yeah. where this goes. Okay. And those things are all true. Never mind. But if we get bogged down in those, you know, yeah. we won't get to the nitty gritty, which we got to get to. Okay. That's re that's really important. I didn't know that was where this one went. Yeah, that's where this goes. <laughs> you, you read the you, you, you look at you, you read the scriptures of all the different religious traditions. You you look at what human spiritual aspiration is. That's where this goes. That's where this goes. The highest spiritual aspirations of human beings of uh, any shape, color, at any time in human history. And all those wonderful things, all those wonderful, ineffable, inscrutable, weird stains that, you know. <laughs> it all leads to places knowing exactly what they mean. But the thing is, to be a compassionate being is to somebody to be somebody who dwells in knowledge of the truth and at the same time knows exactly what it's like to see things the way that somebody who is suffering sees them. That's, that's where the compassion comes from. Um, and this genuine compassion is, is coming from, from holding these two these two perceptions of reality side by side simultaneously which is really the only thing that was that allows somebody both to you know if you couldn't see the larger truth all somebody else's suffering does is make you suffer more right but if you can't if you can't see the world from the other person's point of view there's absolutely nothing that you could ever do from them. And you're, and whatever love and compassion you feel is just, you know, it's, it's meaningless. It has, has no source and value. So you have to be able to hold the two together. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. That's exactly the way that you end up being. But anyway, right now, you, you are one of those people that needs to be lifted out of that. You're one of those people whether you're somebody who's experiencing a lot of suffering in your life, a lot of emotional suffering, emotional pain, a lot of physical suffering, uh, physical pain and the suffering that comes from physical pain. You may be somebody who's experiencing huge amounts of all sorts of that. Or you may be somebody whose life has all sorts of uh, comforts and, and pleasures and uh, everything else. But... If you're in that place where there is there is a chronic gnawing dissatisfaction in your life, no matter where it's coming from, from from huge emotional and physical sources, or whether it's coming from the fact that all your physical comforts and all of the uh, emotional support you have in your life just isn't enough and isn't working, you're still in that place of suffering. And basically, it comes down to you know, we've summarized everything we've talked about over the last few months by saying that your suffering comes from ignorance. Ignorance of what? Ignorance of the way things really are. So it's more than ignorance. It's, it, it's it, Ignorance just implies a simple absence of knowing something. 
That's not ignorance is really the wrong word. It's delusion. You have a delusion about the way things are, and all of your suffering is coming from a delusion about the way things are. Your delusion is that you are a separate self in a world of separate other, and that your happiness and unhappiness are the result of the interaction of yourself with the world of other. That's it, right there. And the promise is, if you can overcome the delusion, the suffering's gone. So wisdom and the end of suffering come together. That's the promise, and that's what we want to get into. Well, how do we get there from here? There's the question. How do we get there from here? That's a really important thing. So, a very important part of understanding how we get here from there is understanding the nature of causality and one particular kind of causality in particular. Because after all, we're trying to understand the causes of our suffering so that we can change them, right? And the only way that you can change things is understand the, the causes. So here we are. We, we believe that our, 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 our happiness depends on things that happen to us. And our suffering is coming from that belief. So how do we make ourselves into somebody that no longer believes that? And that's what karma is all about. You see, there's this mistaken notion of karma that circulates. And you've all heard it, and most of you, probably to some degree or another, have bought into it. Because it seems so natural. If you're a person that believes that your pain and your happiness depend on what happens to you, and somebody says, well, what happens to you is the result of your karma, hey, it makes sense. But that theory holds no water at all if the truth you're being presented with is that your happiness doesn't depend on what happens to you. So forget trying to manipulate what happens to you. Uh, well, don't forget it entirely. <laughs> don't forget it entirely. But put the thrust of your development into the realization, uh, we've got two more minutes before the building, into the realization that what needs to change is you, not what happens to you. You can change yourself to become a person whose happiness and unhappiness don't depend on what happens to you. And that's going to be much, much more effective than trying to change what happens to you. Now, this, this other notion of karma that what happens to you is the result of what you do. So therefore, do the right things, and what will happen to you will be what you want. So be generous, and people will give you money. Right? The secret? Right? All these sorts of things. Forget that. That's not the answer. That's actually what all these rich people are doing when they're trying to amass all this money through the exploitation of people in other parts of the world. They're trying to do the things that are going to make good things happen to them. Their bank accounts get bigger and bigger and bigger. It's not the answer. So forget it. Forget the secret. Forget that version of karma. 
Instead, what we're going to talk about, starting next week, is the Buddha's version of karma. He had a really different version. He said, karma. He said, all of your actions, all of your actions flow from intention. And so don't look at the actions and don't look at the consequences of the actions. Look at the intentions behind them. Because your intentions are going to make you into a person who is more deluded and therefore suffers more. You have to follow, for this to make sense, you have to follow the whole logical argument that we started with the Four Noble Truths, truth of suffering, cause of suffering. If you follow that and understand that, you recognize that, yes, my suffering comes from my ignorance, my delusion, and my freedom from suffering is going to come from achieving wisdom and overcoming that delusion. All right, okay. Now, so it's not your actions and the consequences of your actions and what happens to you as a result of them that's important. It's your intentions and the consequences of your intentions. Do your intentions bury you more deeply in delusion? If they do, no matter what happens to you, you're going to suffer more. On the other hand, if your intentions draw you out of the trap of delusion that you're in, you are going to suffer less no matter what happens to you. So this is the secret. This is the real secret. The real secret. And this is the real karma. The Buddha said, karma, I tell you, is intention. And all of your, not just your actions, not just what you say, not just what you do, but every thought you have actually comes from intentions. Now, this isn't something that's immediately self-evident, but it's one of the things that meditation allows us to see and understand about ourselves. By the way, the bell's wrong. Anybody wants to go, can go. Don't hesitate. But, what was I saying? Intentions. <laughs> yeah. So, this is, this is what we're going, this is the direction that we're going to pursue. How, how we use the intentions, well, no, I, I remember Earth. Once we understand how intention determines everything that happens in us, not just what we say and do, but how we feel, how we react to the situation, the emotions that arise, the thoughts we have as a result of it, and then, in turn, each thought we have and each emotion we have, it gives rise to more intentions. Just as each thing we say brings consequences back and how we respond to those conscience, uh, to those consequences produces more intentions. And everything we do brings consequences back to us. And how we respond to those consequences produces more intentions. So you see, here's the cycle. Intention is driving everything. And so that's what we need to understand, is how intention works. And what, what are the kinds of intentions that make you into a person who is going to become more deluded, more subject to craving, and suffer more? Or how, what, what are the kinds of intentions that can make you into the kind of person who is less deluded, less subject to craving, and who suffers less. Okay? So that's where we're going to pick up next time. 
Karma is not about what happens to you. Karma is about who it happens to. Okay? What if it's you? That's it is. It's karma is about who it happens to, and who it happens to is you. So <laughs> Okay. So that's where we'll pick up next time. Thank you. Yeah.